Hello, I'm Letitia McClough. And I'm Andrew O'Brien. And you're listening to The The Virgin Virgin Gardener Gardener Podcast. Hello and welcome to The Virgin Gardener Podcast. The podcast of people who love gardening and plants, whether that's actually growing them in a traditional garden or just thinking about plants while you're in the bath. It's all leafy and green and good. But today, we are tickled pink, thrilled and delighted to be joined by one of our favourite planty people. What this woman doesn't know about plants isn't worth knowing. She spent her horticultural life doing a plethora of amazing things, from growing for RHS gardens to private gardens and large urban regeneration projects. She's a much-in-demand speaker, writer and consultant, as well as being generally ranty on social media in the most wonderful fashion about all things plant-related. She founded the hugely popular Shouty Half Hour hashtag on Twitter for those who find Gardener's World both delightful and a little bit annoying sometimes in equal measure. But her heart lies firmly rooted in her work in community gardening with Incredible Edible Bristol, which is an urban food project that she started in 2014 and that has resulted in a multitude of edible gardens and a growing movement. So Sarah, welcome and thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us today. Oh, it's an absolute pleasure. <laughs> well, can you tell us a little bit more about the sort of vision behind Incredible Edible Bristol and your hopes for its future. Of course. So Incredible Edible Bristol is part of the worldwide Incredible Edible movement that began in um, West Yorkshire in 2008. Um, And we started in Bristol in 2014, um, not just inspired by the Incredible Edible movement, but also by the amazing work going on in Los Angeles um, with Ron Finley and lots Mm -hmm. of the sort of urban farming movement in the States. Um, and our thing at the time was to create the first edible city supporting the local and and supporting your local economy um, and and being a part of that local economy I guess so so that's kind of the incredible edible ethos it's a whole Um, community thing isn't it our motto is if you eat you're in which Mm. just means that you know we genuinely are totally inclusive you can come along whether you're five or 105 we will find you something that is acceptable for you to do um and and it's you know although it's about learning and although it's you know it's got some really serious political undertones to it Mm. um actually the most important thing for me is that people leave with a smile on their face and feeling that they've achieved something Mm, i love that whole thing of if you're if you eat you're in i mean i think a lot of people a lot of children don't know where their food comes from and that's really what that is about right well, it, it is about that, but it's also about saying, you know, there are lots of people who, for whatever reason, can't garden. Um, so, you know, it might be that you have some disability issues. It might be, you know, whatever. It might be you just generally don't have time. There's, mm. a, there's a, you know, there's a million and one reasons why people go, oh, we just, you know, we can't come along. Uh, to which the answer is no, okay, so you can't come along to a session, but what could you do? Mm. What skills mm. have you got that might mean that you can help us with our website or help us, you know, by baking a cake or whatever? Um, you know, it's that real kind of inclusivity thing where we actually say to people, whether whether or not you've got five minutes or five hours just come along and have a cup of tea mm. yeah lovely and cake is cake involved 
So there is cake involved. There's Good. always cake. It would be rude to say that there was no cake involved. Cake is very important. Yeah, gardens run on cake. I've noticed this. And you seem to be working with, as you say, you're working with all ages throughout. But in particular, yeah. you're, you've been a tireless campaigner on, on social media and in the real world as well for getting young people into gardening and, uh, and seeing it as kind of a, a viable career option but what was your own personal experience and how did you get into horticulture yourself so I was one of those annoying kids at school that was really bright <laughs> that so, is very annoying Sarah I would I'm not sorry, have, I wouldn't sorry, have liked actually, you well well you would because I was bright and naughty oh. um, but actually I, that meant that I got pushed in a really academic way right. um, which is fine as, but what you have to do is you have to look at the whole child. Yeah. And so I may have been really good at writing essays and doing all this stuff. Um, but on the other hand, I was the one out there begging for a community, uh, for a school garden and saying, mm. oh, I'll do that. And I want to plant these seeds and I want to do that and gardening at home and doing all this stuff. And nobody once mentioned horticulture to me, which meant that I went to university and did a degree that was pretty much pointless. Mm. because what I should have been done, what I should have done was I should have gone into horticulture. Uh Um, But nobody mentioned it to me. So I think that's one thing that for me is really important, is that Mm. we actually look at what kids, young people want from their whole lives that Mm. you know academia is not the only way and it actually took somebody to say to me well all you ever talk about is your garden so why don't you go and do something around gardening that made me go oh yeah it never crossed my mind that it could be a career and I think that's really important Mm. you know we need people to start to do things like grow food and we need to have gardeners for our parks departments and for our communities who Mm. know what they're doing um and the reality is we haven't very much at the moment so I just think it's really important and I was slightly disillusioned a few weeks ago when somebody said to me oh stop banging on about that it's done Mm. it's like no it's not done it's not done until until we're there and we're not there it's ongoing work, I think isn't it? it? Yeah. It, it's so important to keep banging on. Banging on is is one of the what's well, one of the things I love about you because you you do you you give great bang on or rant. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Thanks, and Patricia. you know what? I no, I I'm I'm serious about this. I particularly I really love the I mean the, your Instagram stories for example. I mean earlier this month you were telling people to calm the hell down and <laughs> cease and desist with the sowing all of the seeds because you know because it was too early and uh, you know there is a I I tell you what though there is a magic about seeds isn't there? What why why should we sow? Why so, should we sow seeds? Yeah, I mean, there is a complete magic about seeds, and there really is. But every year, I get somebody who sends me a picture of a really wobbly tomato plant in mid-February. He <laughs> says, oh, what should I do about this? Because it's got really leggy. And I go, put it in the bin and start again at the beginning of yeah. March. And, and the, you know, it, it feels like it's become almost competitive. Mm, definitely. And, and I'm sorry, gardening is meant to be a joy. It's not a competition. Mm. And, and if it becomes a competition, then it becomes stressful and a chore. Mm. Mm. And then people go, oh, I can't be bothered with this because life. And, and they stop. And so, yeah, it, and it's, re- it's, it's wound me up this year, in case mm. you hadn't noticed. It's made <laughs> me really cross um, because over and over and over again, I've had people going, oh, I'm really worried about this and this has happened. And, and I'm like, well, why have you sown seeds already? What, what are you doing? Mm. Yeah. 
you know, I think the, it's fine if you're a professional so, um, and so, you've got all this, all, all, all the wherewithal for yeah. having, you know, very early seeds. But as you know, if it's just a windowsill. Yeah, don't don't bother. Wait. So that's that's your rant from earlier on Thank this year. You. But it's not the only rant that you're known for. There's a, there's a, a quite a, an institutional rant, I think we can call, which is the uh, hashtag shouty half hour which Letitia mentioned earlier. And tell us how that actually came into being. Oh, gosh. Okay, so I was sitting on the sofa when I was... God, years ago now. I mean, we are talking about six or seven years ago. Wow, that old. And I was... I mean, this it's called Shouty Off Hour because generally I do shout. Okay, so I, you have to you have to do this. I've always said it would be quite fun to do Shouty Half Hour live. So, so you can do that on Instagram now. So I think, Well, I guess yeah. I possibly may one day. Anyway, um, so I was sitting... And I can't remember what I was shouting at because it was a long time ago, but I was mm. shouting at whatever it was that whoever was doing. And actually, my... My husband tweeted it and he said, oh, my goodness, I'm going to make a cup of tea because half, shouty half hour appears to have started. Right. And it just stuck. You know, there are some things that are completely misunderstood by some people about it. You know, I, I, I love Monty. I, I can genuinely say I love him. I've mm. worked who does, with him. Who doesn't love Monty? I exactly. Mean, you know, just... I, he's a delightful person. His Most of his other television programmes fill me with joy. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> but I... You know, I think he's wasted on Garden as well. Oh, yeah. I, I disagree. I just, I just love the whole thing. I just watch. I just watch him and the dog just wafting about, just well, being amazing. See, when, I digging, want to watch a, you know. when I want to watch a dog on the television, Letitia, I watch Crafts. <laughs> so, yeah, so it's stuck. And, and we've been doing it now for about six or seven years. It's not meant to be horrible. It's mm. not meant to be unkind. However, sometimes it is meant to be desperately honest you know i i can't bear it when when they give you the wrong information when they tell you something that's wrong about a plant mm. or or do something in a way that they don't there's no follow-on so that you know oh we've planted this plant we've probably put 75 pounds worth of plants in it into this pot that we've we've just planted mm. um we're not going to tell you that in three months you're going to have to take it all apart all the plants are all going to die mm. um you know all <laughs> of that stuff that just it, again, it's that thing, isn't it? That if people don't see the full thing, they fail. And when they fail, you get that person who comes to you and says, "Oh, I'd, I really, I'd really like to be a gardener, but I've got, you know, what is it, black thumbs?" And it's like, no, you haven't got black thumbs. You've mm. just had the wrong information. And if you get the right learning, then you'll be able to do it, just like the rest of us can. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that that whole thing where it's just wrong drives me mad. Because I guess it's a question of access, really. And if you put people off gardening, however unintentionally, you're actually depriving them of something which can be of tremendous benefit to them. Gardening can really support people to change their lives, mm. even if they're in the most difficult situations. Yeah, you're a big, strong advocate for um, the positive effect of gardening on people's mental health, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. As long as I don't listen to my brain, which says sit on the sofa and be miserable, mm. um, and listen to what you know, everything else that my body is screaming at me. If I get outside, I'm fine within fifteen twenty minutes. Yeah, I can connect to that so much. If you know, it only takes. I keep saying this. It only takes five minutes yeah. in the garden, and it lifts you. It mm. takes you out of yourself. Um, and I think there has been some evidence to suggest that there is a chemical thing that happens to you when you are close to the soil, 
Um, is... And doing things with your hands, repetitive things with your hands. Um, I got that from um, the very brilliant Emma Mitchell, Silver Pebble, yeah. mm. Silver Pebble too, yes. she's called. Um, and uh, and and I think it really does. There, there's so much in it. Don't you agree, Sarah? There's yeah, just... absolutely. So so I was part of a a research project a few years ago now nothing to do with gardening everything to do with knitting don't laugh Uh um and it's that thing that if you're using both of both sides of your brain by using both of your hands there basically isn't room for your brain to concentrate on anything else other than what it is you're actually doing so so you can't feel depressed because your brain hasn't got the capacity to do that thing mm. while wow. you're using both your hands. Um, and yeah, there is a there is a chemical in the soil that is a natural serotonin raiser, apparently. Yeah. So I mean, yeah. it's you know, but also it's that thing, isn't it? If you just being outside, just hearing some birds song, just not looking at a screen. Mm. We all spend far too Absolutely. much time looking at screens. This is the thing I was going to say, it, because obviously not everyone has access to a garden, and, and I suppose no. that's the strength of your community gardening, but also mm. the growing interest in, in people growing houseplants and stuff. You don't actually have to be outside, but there's something to do with nurturing um, something into life and, and through its life that seems to bring that sort of that hit, that sort of mm. mental Yeah, lift. I think so. I did want to ask you very specifically what kind of houseplants you have um, and, and what houseplants you would recommend for someone that maybe doesn't have any outside space at all. Okay, so here's the thing about houseplants. I've got lots that are dead. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not very good at houseplants because I like to love my plants. Yeah. yeah. And and that means that I'm generally constantly overwatering them. Ah, okay. um, so I've... Uh, I, I am really, yeah, it's, it's you know, I've killed more begonias than I care to throw a hat at. Um, <laughs> I am, however... That's really encouraging. Well, I think it is. I think people need to know the reality, don't no, they? No, I mean it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, yeah, so don't worry if you've killed them, because I kill them all the time. Um, but it's great, because you can go to Ikea and they, you, they've just got loads more. Mm. Um, that's terrible isn't it that's the most unsustainable thing i've ever said um no i i would agree with you there sarah i find houseplants quite difficult mm. and um and as a result i do although i do have houseplants and i have learned uh, over experience you know with experience mm. and i'm still learning to keep them you know to not to overwater them etc but um i i now ha- tend to have more things like ivy indoors and obviously scented leaf pelagoniums and things yes. that I'm, I'm a bit more comfortable with a bit more old fashion things so I, I do like a scented pelagonium i have got a whole windowsill full of those in my kitchen um which certain people in my family keep saying can we move these and get some herbs and i keep no. saying no um, um nope <laughs> but my actually my favorite houseplant that i own is a coffee plant oh really oh, yes they're quite hard to get hold of here it's, oh are they well they're well you know bristol and I've got a Schifleria, which I bought as a tiny dude and is growing like a crazy thing. Yeah, haven't um, killed mine so yet. So I like, I like that. Haven't killed that yet. Um, but to be honest, I'm not, I'm not any type of houseplant expert. I mm. do always have a peace lily because apparently they're really good at mopping up the kind of stuff from your computer that I've flies through that. the air. Yeah. Um, mm. And I don't know whether or not it's true, but also you can, they tell you when they need watering, so mm. you can just let it go, and when you see it looking really sorry for itself, you just fling some water into it, and it's fine. Oh. Um, yeah, yeah so, I do like a bit of communication from my plants. I, I, I like agree, to be yeah. able to talk to my plants yeah. and get something back. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, my my plants usually just tell me my house plants usually tell me it, it's too late. <laughs> you should have talked. You should have talked yeah. to us a week ago. <laughs> and, and no matter how much water you throw at us now, you know we're checking out. Bye. No, um, no, no. Dead not, is yeah. dead. I have to say, I've been getting. I've been listening to um, Jane Perone's on the ledge podcast, and I have been getting Very better good. with the help of that. Okay. So, so that's recommended, that yeah. podcast. Yes. Very Highly good. recommended reading. Listening reading. <laughs> what am I talking about? <laughs> Sarah, it's now time to plumb your depths, which is a thing we do to people that we have on this podcast. So as you may know, we're all about the practical here on the Virgin Gardener podcast, and... Um, Let's not deny it. We've been talking about it already. It might be time now, once the mini beast from the East has gone, to start thinking about sowing some seeds. So we wanted to garner your expertise and thoughts about that. First, some of us don't have a garden or even a balcony, and many of us will just have a windowsill. Can we um, sow seeds on something as simple as a kitchen table? And if so, what are your sort of tips for keeping it manageable when you haven't got an awful lot of space or a potting bench or a greenhouse and all the kind of posh paraphernalia that goes with it? I'm a great proponent of using your windowsills. Mm. However, what I'm not a great proponent of is sowing so many seeds that you've got a bank of seed trays, all of which are fighting to get at the light. Yeah. And which are going to struggle. I completely understand that some people do not have any outside space. So mm. if you're growing on a windowsill or if you're growing on a balcony or you haven't actually got any outside space and everything is going to be done within an, within a sort of indoor area or in raised hanging baskets or whatever. Mm. I would say that the cost of buying vegetable seedlings is less than the cost of a packet of seeds that is so really that I, I, interesting well i was going to ask you about that whether vegetable and indeed any seedlings buying them is is yeah. is is allowed or is it just not cricket of course it's allowed <laughs> and, and do you know why it's allowed Letitia? it's allowed because when you sow a packet of seeds you inevitably sow five times the amount that you actually need True. whereas if you buy a packet of a pack of seedlings you're going to get five or ten yeah and, and if you've got a tiny growing space that's all you need. Mm, um, I absolutely agree. And they're at the <laughs> stage where they will probably be okay if they get a little bit of, a, of slug damage. But if you've only got a small space, look at what your spend is going to be in comparison and think about it sensibly. But mm. not just not just financial. Uh, it, it's actually uh, it's actually an emotional spend. I find. Yes. <laughs> Having seeds, it's like having hundreds of babies and they're all clamouring for your attention and and they're all dying all the time. Yeah, there is nothing worse. It's the most (laughs) depressing thing. Yeah. So, yeah, so I I I would say do what's easiest. That that, that really makes sense because I get this kind of sort of, I don't know, a red mist comes down or something at the beginning of the year and I just start going through seed catalogues and buying like there's no going it's going out of business and telling myself oh it's only two pounds a packet but by the time you've bought 20 packets and then you've got to sow them and raise them all and uh, yeah you're setting yourself up for a fail really aren't you a bit later in the year and there is no need to sow you know to plant sort of 500 plants Mm. unless you're a nurseryman yeah (laughs) yes yeah i suppose the question you have to ask yourself when you get up in the morning is am i a nurseryman Mm. Mm. Yes, start with that question. <laughs> and if the answer is yes, carry on. If the answer is no, have a cup of tea. <laughs>
I just wanted to ask you, you know, when we, I mean, obviously some of us do want to sow some seeds and yes, yes we, we know the rules now, so fewer than you think you want. I think that's basically the mm. idea, right? Yes. But when you do want to sow some seeds, is there a kind of list of things that you would say, you need this equipment and you don't need this equipment? Have you got, I mean, I always think there's a, there's a, there's a kind of, there's another sort of red mist that comes down, isn't there? When mm. you think, oh, I've got to have the, I've got to have mm. these type of seed trays, I've got to have these type of seed trays, and I've got to have this cloche and heated propagators. Tell us what, tell us the most important things that a beginner needs in order to sow some seeds. So the the most important things they need is a deep breath and a cup of tea. Um, <sighs> then all it. you need <laughs> is. You need some compost that has been sieved. I have to admit, I never buy seed compost, ever, 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 ever. Right. I don't think I've ever bought seed compost. Um, but So I always, with a proper garden sieve, sieve some multi-purpose mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so that it's fine. I, I would say that that's, that's quite important. Um, and other than that, I think you can use whatever you need to use and whatever you've got at hand. You don't need specific modules. You just need some sort of a tray or a plant pot that has holes in the bottom so that you get some drainage and you're away i don't mm. I, there is there is no need to go shopping and no need for more plastic absolutely no need for more plastic plastic is just and also so i'm i'm just going to say this uh, years ago we used to buy module trays in the nursery world that mm. would last for 10 years if not more so and um you know were really good quality and you used to be able to buy those and now if you go and you look at module trays they they are effectively single use yeah basically and i yeah, think I, I think we have to demand that the and i don't mean when i say we i don't mean the three of us i mean you know gardeners have to demand that that the nursery trade takes notice of this single okay. plastic thing my experience of sowing seeds as a child was that we used to sow in old wooden trays i have no idea where they came from they were mm -hmm. the same trays that we used every year um you know you used to go to a garden center and you know there were plants in the garden center and nothing plants and tools you could mm. buy plants and tools and actually mm. that was fine so there wasn't any plastic in the garden center because they didn't need it because everything came in a paper bag so what so what did they use then to uh, in place of a propagator lid or a plastic bag to produce, think... um, you know, that sort of human environment for, your, for the seeds coming up. I don't remember seeing a plastic lid for a propagator as a child. I guess we use glass cloches. Glass. I mm. guess. Mm. Mm. But actually, I, I guess also we probably didn't sow the seeds until it was time to. Oh, yes. There we go. <laughs> you know, there we go again. Uh, we go again. So I'm getting very practical here, but for a beginner, mm. a seed tray of mm -hmm. some description, mm -hmm. um, a, a warm kitchen windowsill, yep. and some kind of f a lid which lets the light in. Is that what you well, know? No, I don't, why do you, I don't think you need a lid. I don't, don't, I don't so. understand. I, I, no. I mean, possibly if you're sowing chilies or tomatoes yeah. maybe chilies tomatoes don't but, they need that humid thing going on well mine don't they don't no okay no i tell you what i do if they're not doing what they're told i sit them on the radiator for 24 hours and shout at them wow that usually gets them to germinate 
<laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure it's do the warm bottom, not the me. shouting. <laughs> I love it. Um, yeah, can we just talk about compost a, t- a little bit more? Mm. Because I know yeah. that this is a subject, isn't it, Andrew? It completely befuddles people. And when I began, when I started gardening, it, I, it just I couldn't find any. The, I couldn't find answers that satisfied me. <coughs> right. <laughs> but so you don't use seed compost. No. You use multi-purpose compost. And yes. is that any peat-free multi-purpose compost? It's whatever I've got hanging around at the time. I mean, it's just got to be a compost that's reasonably low in nutrients. Because mm-hmm. the seed's so you... got everything it needs, isn't it? Really? Yes. It's a capsule full of stuff to get it through the first it, few weeks. Yes, absolutely. So you haven't got to worry about it in terms of what it's going to eat for the first four weeks. You know, yeah. it just needs to be easy, doesn't it? I don't mm. think you can say to people, oh, you need to do this this way and this this way and this this way. I think just give people a good way that, you know, it, it will work. No, you're right. And I think you're right about it being easy because, particularly with gardening, I think it's important to make life as easy as possible. So that in mind, could you give us your top never-fail plants that you would grow from seed, uh, plus any rules that we should stick to when we're growing them? So I I have to grow sweet peas every year. Why? I've grown sweet peas every year since I was three. Um, what varieties? Yeah. Or do you change? Or? I, I just change from year to year, although I always do Cupani because the, the scent on them is yeah. just extraordinary. The oldest um, best. Yeah, but they, I, I, I cannot have a year without sweet peas. That's just, yeah. Um, what else do I always grow? So I always grow borage from seed. I always grow... You were saying calendula. Oh, I always grow calendula. I ha- Yeah, I love calendula. So I always have a pocket full of calendula seeds from about the beginning of April onwards. These are marigolds for people who... Yes. Of, yeah. So I always grow them and sometimes I just chuck them into places where I think they need them. What else do I always grow from seed? I always grow artichokes from seed because I just really like the fact that I can grow artichokes from seed. Okay, I think your window ledge sounds like it's actually going to be fairly well stuffed. <laughs> but that was brilliant. Now, we've got some questions for you that have come in on um, on the email and um, and on Twitter. Are you okay to answer a few of those? I certainly am. Giddo. Okay, so number one comes from um, at London Plantology. And she says, Please could you give me tips on how to grow lettuce, mizuna, red mustard and other greens? My seedlings become super leggy in literally one day. And if they survive the leggy period, they don't really produce many leaves. Maybe they don't like clay soil. Question mark. What do you think of that? I need to know whether they're being sown outside or inside. That's what I was thinking. It sounds like they're going straight into the soil. If they're going straight into the soil, then... I'm slightly confused. I would say that the area that they're going into is probably quite dark and they need light. Mitsina mm-hmm. um, and Mizuna will take some shade, but they do need some sun as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it might be that the soil is just too claggy for them and they're go- and not warm enough yet and mm-hmm. they're going... Oh, we don't like this. Mm. Um, trying desperately hard to reach for the sky, but not doing anything in terms of putting on leaf. Um, so it might be that there's some soil remediation needing to be done. It does sound if, like it because these are kind yeah. of wintry greens, aren't they? And they and are. Clay soil does take a while to get going. It does, and and actually they don't. So I grew just just for a while while I was a farmer. There you are. Um, <laughs> I grew things like that for a living, believe mm. it or not. And wow. actually, they do not. They they do not grow in Bristol clay. We used to have to 
build up big mounds of sort of compost to grow it in. Mm. Um, so they won't they won't grow in clay. They won't be happy. But equally, if they're being done in modules outside, I would say don't even start sowing them for another three weeks. Yeah. Right, yeah, and maybe seat. move. Yeah, maybe yeah. move them into lighter place. Yes, so, definitely. More sunshine. Yeah, a pot. A pot. <laughs> a pot exactly. is is the is the answer. A pot is always the answer that you can move around as yeah. the sun moves. Yeah. Can't beat so it, I've got it. I've got a question now from uh, the cynical gardener <laughs> at at the cynical gardener. Um, what sort of plant show would you want to see, Sarah Van? I would want to see one that was really inspiring. I would want to see one that had, and I would like to see one that speaks to everybody that gardens. Um, for me, doing what I do, I work with quite a lot of people who live in quite difficult circumstances. Mm -hmm. And whenever you mention Gardener's World or a myriad of other sort of gardening organisations, people's feeling is that that's not for them that they can't afford to be a part of that community and that breaks my heart um i just think that we have to be more inclusive and that that means celebrating everything that people do um and i think for me i'm i'm you know i love gardens i love horticulture i love everything about it but the way i love it is i love it with people mm. And I want to see people at the centre of everything. So I always think that I'm, I'm actually sort of beginning to think that Instagram and um, YouTube are, I mean, obviously they're the answer to that sort of problem, aren't they? It's, I know they're not on the, on the sort of the main airways, as it were, but you really can pick the gardener that you want to watch gardening yeah. and, um, and watch him or her. Yeah, no, you can. And I think... I think that is probably the way things are going to go. I, yeah, I mean, yeah, there are some fantastic vloggers out there. There are some brilliant Instagrammers. There are some great people doing stuff on Facebook pages and Facebook Live and all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, there are, some, there are some brilliant podcasts out there. They're really, you know, <laughs> they're inspiring though. I think alternative media is the way that inevitably it's going to go. But I also think that we as a community have a right to demand from the BBC, who, let's face it, we all have a licence with, mm. that what they do provide actually is good quality, is inspiring, is honest, is, you know, you can, it's trustworthy. Yeah. And I, I, yeah, so I, and I think, I, I think there's a room for everything, but I do think that probably the, the more alternative media is the way we're going to go forwards. Mm. Yeah, it's been very good on there, hasn't it? Mm. Okay, so uh, sorry, there is what I should have put this in before, Andrew. I'm sorry that this no, should no, have gone no. before because, um, but uh, I've got uh, um, one of my newsletter subscribers um, is is um, is she's growing. I'm trying to get this right. She's growing lettuce stubs in water. I've mm -hmm. never done this before, but um, she's letting the leaves regrow. Right. Um, have you done that, Sarah? They, she says they basically, they sprout beautifully as soon as she plants them. Uh, sorry, they sprout beautifully, mm. but then as soon as she plants them in soil, they die. Okay, so when you do that, you're not then meant to plant them into soil. Yeah. You're meant to just leave them in the, in the water. Um, 
because yeah what they're not they're not putting particularly huge amounts of of roots on and the roots Mm. that they are putting on are roots that will take up water not Mm. roots that will feed them from the soil and that's that's pretty much it so it's a great thing to do but don't try and plant them out just leave them in the water because as soon as you stick them in the soil they're then having to plant sort of soily roots and they're concentrating all their Um, energies on the bottom absolutely rather than Um, the top and also because they are if you know i mean lettuces is so water anyway Mm. they're so open to anything fungal that the fact that their roots are all water taker uppers rather than feeding roots means that yeah you're you're just they're just gonna go but what's going on yeah it's gonna rot yeah Yeah. sarah that was absolutely amazing thank you so much it's a pleasure So now it's time to talk about what we've been doing in the garden this week. So, Andrew, have you been sowing any seeds this week? I have. I have. And I'm only just getting going because it's been so cold. And now I'm starting to think about sowing flowers. In particular, I like to sow cosmos every year. And I probably sow rather too oh, much Oh, such lovely seed. I love growing cosmos. Um, I sow cosmos seeds but i also as sarah said i i do sometimes buy in seedlings as well well that's perfectly allowable (laughs) i love them because they're they are so easy to grow and they grow from this sort of tiny seed to a a massive plant probably about four foot high some of them um, with really thick stems beautiful lovely ferny foliage and it's just these fantastic joyful daisy like happy flowers they're mexican daisies basically easy to grow just a delight to have in the garden or a delight to have in a pot on the patio and there are so many varieties i think if i was going to grow one flower seed it would probably be that i don't know what you think about that i i think i think it's a very very close contender for me are you a pink or are you a purity ah now pure yes probably the most well-known variety of cosmos is called purity which is which is the white one which i love um, it's a single flowered white one, which means it's just got one layer of petals all the way around. Really good and very reliable. Oh, I love it. I love it. Uh, but I came across one last year, which I really like, called Click Cranberries. Click Cranberries? Yeah, Cosmos wow. Click Cranberries, um, which is lovely. There's various sorts of other pinky type ones as well. But that was a really deep, rich kind of um, almost a kind of fuchsia pink, maybe a little bit darker even. Um, and there's a Ooh, well, I shall have to try that one yeah absolutely and there's so many of them now um, I just don't I don't think you can ever have too many no. <laughs> just, what, what about you what's your favorite thing I know you well, love sweet peas um I love sweet peas and I do I have some autumn sown sweet peas which amazingly have survived the ravages oh, you're so organized <laughs> well I'm not usually that organized usually I sow them in the spring or indeed I buy them and I think it's good to you know d- is d- do a bit of both but um they are the most obliging thing to grow from seed as you know because they yeah. are you know it's child's play yeah. and they are just the most love they it's the gift that keeps on giving the yeah. more you pick it the more it grows and um yeah no garden is complete without sweet peas or what, water what about <laughs> uh nigella is that something that you'd grow which is loving the mist love that Yes, I grow it, and um, I I just scatter it on the ground. I don't even. I certainly don't. I I do it, it what we call in situ. Isn't oh, that right, Walt? Yeah, because it it grows quite, and it seeds everywhere, doesn't it, by itself. So yes. yeah, there's no reason. So you why sort you of only have to sow it once, really. Yeah. Once or twice. 
Have you got the, the, the white or the blue variety or something else? Uh, always you? blue. Uh, the idea of a white, uh, of a white <laughs> nigella is just uh, wrong uh, for me. They're one of those flowers that's just as good when they um, when the flowers faded and they've gone into that fantastic weird shaped seed pod that they get as well yeah utter perfection and it rattles yeah um, exactly i mean goodness it, it it really is it's got it's got everything it's yeah. got absolutely everything so yeah i have been saying a, a, a few i haven't sent any nigella yet but because uh, the ground's not warm enough no. really but i have um I, I did this week so some uh chilies um and i did so some alpine strawberries um obviously indoors hmm. with my uh my my compost and my sieve um <laughs> <laughs> i have to say i put a cloche over mine <laughs> well i think i think there's a lab is it a glass cloche uh, i can't no, say that I... is it a glass cloche <laughs> it isn't a glass cloche it's an old tray that i have that has its own plastic top okay. uh and and i put it on um on my kitchen floor actually because my kitchen floor happens to be um heated oh, that is very posh <laughs> it is i probably shouldn't even put that out there but so do yes, you have kind is. of you've got big windows that come down to the floor level then have you i do so i effectively i effectively do have um i have got a very good kind of greenhousey a very warm greenhouse. you live in a greenhouse <laughs> I live in a greenhouse. Okay, that's fair enough. So you don't actually need window ledges, you can just shove it on the floor. Hey, I tell you what, I shove it on the floor. <laughs> I tell you what I'm going to try this year, which I've never grown before um, from seed, and that's larkspur. Have you ever grown that? I haven't. Tell me about larkspur. Well, How do we do that? It is, it's basically the annual version of delphiniums. It, it's, it's of a delphinium. course, yes. Um, and I think Sarah Raven's very keen on larkspur, isn't yeah, she? Yeah, they're fantastic. And they're a dark blue flower, which is, I, I do love my blues, so... Um, Again, like Sarah, I never buy seed compost. Um, I just use multi-purpose, peat-free multi-purpose, and I'll sieve mm. that into mm. um, into modules. I usually grow in modules. I'm on the lookout for a sort of a module which is reusable forever and ever. I uh, think that would be a good thing to find. I've I got to admit, I'll... since our conversation with Sarah and I was at the beautiful garden Great Dixter the other day, and I noticed they've got seed tray, old-fashioned wooden seed trays. Uh, and like Sarah was talking about, and I was thinking, hmm, actually, maybe I will start doing that now just to cut down on the plastic waste. Possibly, um, but I would be very wary of, sort of mold and, you know, all yeah, that kind well, of stuff. Yeah, well, it's just cleanliness. You've just got to, you know. Do, do... Oh, no, you see, I'm just not clean enough, am I, Andrew? Yeah, I'm a bit no. scuzzy. Yeah, but the other side <laughs> is going to be kind of, you know, plastic, and you don't like that either. So, you know, you've just well, got to get it, scrubbing. I think once you use what you've got, um, so I'm now down to my seed trays because obviously all my modules have gone right. now. They've just fallen to bits. But it is something I, it is something that um, I'm definitely going to be on the lookout for, something. I mean, I can imagine, you know, like plastic, um, uh, not plastic, rubber ice trays would, you know, yeah. where you push out the ice. Silicon. Why isn't there something like that Absolutely. for a seed tray, like cupcakes? silicon yeah. cupcake yeah yeah we Why? need more yeah. interesting materials being used by the um by the horticultural industry well for, on the retail side of it certainly we do indeed if anyone knows of anything please get in touch the email is uh virgin gardener podcast at gmail.com please <laughs> so what other jobs have you been doing in the garden then well um i repotted um some 
cuttings of uh, scented pelargoniums that I took last year. And that was very satisfying indeed um, because they've been in their very, very gritty compost um, Mm -hmm. for for months now. And it's lovely to see them in bigger pots and they're sprouting and sprouting. Um, So, and they're really, really easy to do. It's another thing. We will do a podcast on cuttings. um, And I think uh, it's it's one of the most satisfying gardeny, sort of slightly uh, geeky things you can do. Mm. and it makes you feel sort of clever and accomplished absolutely and, and but it's plants for free isn't it this is the thing indeed got, uh, you know once you've got a plant that's growing happily once so long as you know how to take cuttings from it you never need to buy another one and you can swap them with people and um and you're off i know you can be a proper gardener which is a person that gives away things and uh, has too many of things and comes around to people's doors and says have this absolutely <laughs> you know and it's not just courgettes which is <laughs> not marrows <laughs> exactly <laughs> Um, and the other thing I've been doing is uh, that I've been dealing with uh, the, the hydrangeas that I have. And it made me kind of remind myself about uh, what to do with the various hydrangeas. Mm. So um, I, you know, I've got some paniculata mm-hmm. uh, hydrangeas um, and uh, and they like the Annabelle hydrangeas, which is the hydrangea most of us have in our gardens. Mm-hmm. The um, one that flops they... everywhere. It, the one that flops everywhere exactly <laughs> anyway they 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 flower on on new wood so you can kind of shape them mm. um which is which is a nice thing to do once all the frost has gone away and, and they don't need the flowers to kind of protect the buds mm-hmm. um and then the other type the mop head type which a lot of us have um i think the really the the rule with that is just leave it alone yeah. <laughs> what about dividing things have you started dividing well I did quite a bit of dividing in the autumn um, uh, because we had this very prolonged, very lovely, warm autumn, didn't we? Mm, So I kind of got in there and 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 got some things uh, divided um, sort of uh, late last year. Um, So I'm I'm not going to be doing a huge amount of that Mm. this year. I'm kind of I've moved quite a lot of stuff around and created some new new areas. What about you? There's a few things I've got my eye on for dividing. Dividing, for anyone who doesn't know, is taking a sort of herbaceous perennial, which is one that isn't hasn't got a woody stem, um, like mm. the hydrangeas we were talking about, but has, dies back down to the ground over winter. And um, either in autumn or spring, which are kind of opposite times with similar conditions, it's a good time before um, there's too much activity above ground uh, to divide mm. plants. And again, you get free plants again. Mm. Um, and you can do it with a spade, or you can dig up a clump and stick two forks in. That's the that's the clever no, no, way. No, no, no. Okay, now I, I now hold on a second. Andrew. Okay. When have you ever managed to prise apart anything using two forks? I just, I'm sorry, I just don't get it. Uh, uh, maybe I'm putting the forks in the wrong way. Do you know? Um, by the way, I'm not using table forks. I'm yeah. using garden forks. Do you know? Uh, there, there is a way to do it, and it's not the way you think. You dig the okay. clump out and you put the clump on its side and then you put the forks down through the side of the okay. clump, not through the top. And then you pull uh, it no, apart. No, I have never heard of that. See, nobody has ever told me that No, they before. don't. No one tells you that. because, And also that means you get less damage to the to the newly growing shoots as well because you can kind so of you see what you're doing. So you go in through the side. You go in through We've the side. We've got to keep this in. We've got to keep this in. I honestly, so many people, <laughs> so many times I thought, oh, I'm going to get two garden forks. Yeah. I'm going to put them in. I'm going to prise the thing apart. Mm. All I end up with is just forks sort of, yeah. sliding against each other and <laughs> and uh, me just swearing a lot yeah um i think this is a public service announcement personally. okay 
<laughs> Glad to have been of service. It's obviously, it's honestly much easier to do it that way, and, and it, it causes less damage to the to the clump. Okay. So anyway, uh, so if, if you're me, you just use a bread knife. Um. That'll do. That'll do it as well. Although probably slightly more risk to your fingers than them. I know, yeah. and the plant. Yeah. But no judgment. Oh, that's so nice to hear what you've been up to. I'm very, very happy you've been doing a little bit because yeah. it has been snowing a bit. <laughs> I know, I know, but I think that's behind us now. Someone told me it was going to get cold again at the Easter weekend, but I'm not talking to them. No, um, no. Uh, how very dare they. That's about it for this episode. Thank you so much to Sarah for joining us and also to you for listening. And we hope you'll be back very soon for the next instalment of the Virgin Gardener podcast. She's Letitia. Oh, and he's Andrew. And we'll be back with more gardening tips and tricks very soon. You can find me at letitiamacloof.com. That's L-A-E-T-I-T-I-A-M-A-K-L-O-U-F dot com. And I'm at gardensweedsandwords.com. If you have enjoyed listening to this episode of the Virgin Gardener podcast, then what would be really useful and really helpful is if you went to wherever you get your podcast from and put a five-star review on, which basically says that Andrew and Letitia are marvellous. Their choice of guests is sensational. And what we really want is more and more and more of this. We want so much of this podcast that we want to bathe in it as if it was slightly warmed ass's milk. Um, so there you go, the Virgin Gardener podcast, something for everybody, uh, whether you be gardener or baby fancier. I love it. <laughs> <laughs>